0: So, um, repentance is a weird concept because you have uh, everyone fighting about it. This church doesn't preach repentance, this church preaches repentance. And then we have signs on the street that say, repent, right? And you have people that say, repent from your sins. Repent from your sins, right? Turn from your sins. And you have these, these very, um, I call them wayward concepts wayward meaning that they're off they're off the mark they're off the mark as far as what the scripture says people have taken repentance and made it this very religious thing right because they've read verses out of context and we're gonna deal with a few of those today that I really want you guys to like take in and if you want um, feel free to um, you don't have to take notes but I would encourage you to join me in in looking at the scriptures in your, in your in your eyesight um, So let's start here, wherever your need is, okay, if we're starting um, from the beginning, wherever your need is, that's where Jesus is at, okay, that's where Jesus wants to be, wherever that struggle, wherever that issue is, that's where he wants to be. Jesus, his name, okay? In Greek, it's Isu, or in in Hebrew, it's Yeshua, which would mean salvation, okay? So Jesus himself is salvation, and salvation is twofold. It's not just one-fold. It's from the Greek word soteria, okay, soteria. So when it's used as a name, it's Isu, but when it's used as an understanding, it's used as soteria, and this word means deliverance, protection, wellness, right? It means A-A-A taking out of or a protecting from. So when we think about Jesus being salvation, right? It's not just a one-sided concept where it says, oh, I'm being, I'm delivering you from hell, right? It's more than that. It's deeper than that. And then you think of the word where the root word is sozo, right? Which would be soteria, which is sozo, which is the same concept deliverer or being delivered in 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 a moment's time like almost as the as the command of he's sozo so. and i'll explain more what that is when we come to the context of scripture so it's not me or this church that brings you salvation it's jesus it's his word it's the gospel the gospel is the is the key thing that brings salvation okay so it's not me or it's not the church or it's not another church right so if anyone claims that they're they're the bringer of salvation no it's always jesus even if your church has false doctrines and false beliefs right it doesn't matter because jesus why because you could read the word on your own and see him yourself and he could save you himself because it's the gospel that saves so this is why we don't necessarily want to get in battles with people about denomination and what they are and what they aren't because in reality, a lot of that stuff doesn't matter. The, the only people who mostly hold to those doctrines are the leaders of those churches. Everyone else, mostly, if you really go to any church, you'll find that they don't really know. They're not really... Because most of these churches don't preach their doctrines, right? They just it, it's, it's semi-motivational. It's, it's, some of it's the gospel, some of it's not. Some of it's inspiration to do good works, right? You have different things that you hear. So man has become conditioned and I think sometimes we become conditioned to look at the lack in our lives, right? We see situations in the in a moment's instant we take that and we embrace it and we're like I have struggle. I have issues. I have problems. I have this. I'm sick. I'm down and out. You know, I have nothing, right? We see these things, right? Or I'm I'm last or I'm not, in, I'm not winning and we kind of see all this, this bad in our lives and we're, we're, we're almost taught to make it such a big deal right I, I have um, a number of people around me in my, in my kind of like close proximities they don't really come to church but they complain a lot about money often and it's a, it's a, every, every conversation is about what we don't have what we don't have and so man is conditioned to look at the lack and then we try to assume the outcomes right of what these things will turn into and most, of the, most often they're negative and so as we move forward my goal is to preach the gospels to preach the good news to tell you to look away from yourself to look away from your lack and to look at God's ability okay and God's unlimited to supply in, in those moments Could you look away from your lack and can you look toward Jesus and what he supplies? Let me put it to you this way. That's a form of repentance. Because you change your mind that your lack is the most prevalent thing to believing that his supply is the most prevalent thing. You change your mind about seeing the the, the nature of your struggle of your sickness, of of what's going on, of the doctor's report. You look at it, and you see it, and you're just like, okay, you repent from thinking this is the truth. When we have a truth that's greater in Jesus, right? We have a truth in Jesus that's greater that says he's already supplied that supernaturally, right? So you'll find that it's often a repentance from self from preoccupation with self to a preoccupation with christ and his ability so when you see situations in your life you're like okay well what, what is what is happening here this is frustrating this is challenging i'm down and out right and here here's some examples when we're in poverty we look to god okay when we're sick we look to god when we're in sin we look to god When we're in stress and when we're in in anxiety, we look to God. He is the supply. Okay? He brings us out of where we are to bring us into where he wills us to be. Right? And he's pre... He's... I don't know if you guys have heard of a guy named Tyler Perry, but he did something that was interesting um, recently on the news, and I saw it. Um, He went to Walmarts in Georgia, or Atlanta, or something like that, and he actually... Um, bought all the stuff on layaway you know he pre-bought it so that when these people come to the store they're expecting to pay right but since he pre-bought it when they show up to the store what's going to happen they're just going to give them what they had on layaway for free right and that's kind of what Christ has done in a, in a, in a nutshell like, those are, that's one of the most uh, perfect examples of what Jesus has done that I've ever seen, right? Is that we, we, think, we think our healing is in, okay, I'm gonna place my healing here in front of me and I'm gonna do 10 weeks of good deeds of prayer and fasting, okay? Not, not that prayer and fasting is bad, but we use it as a means to gain on something that we feel like we need or want, right? Yes, exactly and then what happens and then we have a hiccup and then it's delayed okay now let's add two more weeks to that let's add two more months let's add two more years let's add never now right because we determined this mountain we're going to climb to achieve what's already been given to us freely you know it's already been bought so when man is in sin, we tell him to look away from his failures, to look to God, look away from trying to be righteous on his own, look towards God and receive the free gift, gift that you're righteous by faith. When a man is in sin, we want to encourage him, hey, receive righteousness as a gift by faith. So that means look away from the pretense. Okay? Get away from the pretense that you can be righteous on your own. Get away from this idea that you can do enough on your own to be righteous on your own, to obtain from God what it is that you need or want. So we encourage man when he's in sin, stop trying to be righteous on your own. That's the reason you're in sin. Okay? And we're going to get to some scriptures right now. I just want to read some of this stuff that I I wrote down because I really wanted to communicate this. And so we don't just do this on our own, but we look to the Bible, right? which is God's word because the word gives us hope so that when we see it in the book okay we can have tremendous confidence about what we are saying and believing when we see this in the book right now I've just said all this stuff to you right but it's going to be important for us to see it in the book so that when we decide to have faith right it's not on the basis of angel or, or, or what I think or what I said or what this church said or what this pastor said. It's on the basis of what's in the Bible, right? And you'll find that as we continue on this journey of seeking the Bible, it's not, a, it's not always the most uh, appealing, pleasant road in today's society because you see a man with the Bible, you run. You run. Why? Religion. You're afraid. When you see men with books, with the book in their hand, those are the people that that most people that need this message the most, run from. Especially the people that have been hurt and damaged by people who have misused the book. People are, as much as people are healed by Jesus Christ, the same amount of people are damaged by religion. I know many, many, many people, and likewise you also know many people, right? If you were to root source back some of your issues in your lives, a lot of them you can find that you had a interpretation of the Bible taught to you that was religious, that you embraced, and then every time you fell that standard, what happens? You beat yourself up. You live in a torturous mindset of, I'm trying, but I can't. 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 It's never good enough. And then you go to the leaders, and then I'm trying, but it's not good enough for them either, right? So we need to understand this. This is why people feel condemned by Christianity, because unstudied people have preached the word out of context, okay? We're, 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 we have a society of people who are willing just to, to, to take in words repeated by other people. You know, you go online, and we've done this in a Bible study before where we look at quotes on, on Instagram and we ask, in the context of the new covenant, is this true? Is this even true? But it's being spread like wildfire. Hundred, you know, a million people like this, right? You know people's like um they'll preach hard repent repent turn away from your sin hate your sin right and we want the same results that they do okay? we do we want the same result which is the turning away from the sin right but the religion we've learned through all the bible studies that we've done so far i would say up to this point is that it's It's the works mentality that actually breeds that sin in the first place. That lets that sin live in a believer's life. As long as a believer's condemned, he'll live in sin. As long as a believer feels shame, okay? Do you know one of the, from a psychological perspective, one of the most dangerous things to connection in our lives? So we, we here want to connect, right? With each other and with God. One of the most dangerous things with connection is shame. Shame is that I've done wrong and if they knew, I would be disconnected, I would be judged. And so we make a predetermined decision to cut ourselves off so that we avoid being exposed So when we think about the condemnation of our failures right it's an ongoing cycle we seek god we try to be right with god we fail god we're in condemnation it leaves us sin. it leaves us disconnected because our shame disconnects us from god our condemnation disconnects us from god and so you have all these people using the word out of context and people have believed these preachers and now we have churches closing have you I don't know if you guys read any statistics lately, but there's a statistic saying a lot of churches are closing across the United States. A lot of buildings are closing. And I, and I have a high, high sense of belief that these churches are the are primarily the ones that preach hardcore with religion. You know. Have a good heart, but this congregation is hardcore. Yeah. Like, you don't know our DNA.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Once you get to know our DNA and go to these 13 steps, then we'll put you on your probation. And you after that, maybe you can uh, do a Saturday night youth study. Yep. And it's like, so we're going to wait three years? Yeah. Um, and I think deep inside, I think, and this is what I think of all of you because you're here, is that deep inside you have this gut feeling that something's wrong with that, right? I think deep down inside when we see, and we're going to learn it in the scripture today, but when we see signs that say repent, right, turn away from your sin, as much as we want to we'll applaud it because you feel like they're doing it in the name of God, so you should be on their side, Right. Um, there's, a, there's this gut feeling that it may be wrong. It may be the wrong way of going about it. And so, this is why we exist. To action. This is, as, as a church, as Conquer Church, this is why we exist. We come to bring light. And we're not going to win everybody, but we're going to win the people who care. We will win the people who care. Now, Let's remove all doubt first. That the believer, so we're going to talk a little bit about blasphemy real quick, okay? Um, John five twenty four, and we want to remove all doubt. The judgment is waiting for us, okay? John five twenty four, and it says, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my words and believe on him that sent me, okay, that believes on him that sent me, has everlasting life, shall not come into." Judgment or condemnation—it's gonna. In English, it'll be interchangeable. But it's passed. It's passed from death unto life. Okay. So it says, if you believe, you have everlasting life. You'll pass from death unto life. Okay. Now, this is in John five twenty-four. Knowing that, we want to remove all doubts for the believer, okay, for the believer, that judgment is awaiting you. So that when you fell, you're not believing that judgment is waiting for you. Now, here's, here's going to be a, a contrary verse. The word judgment here is the Greek word krisis, okay, krisis, and in Mark three twenty-nine, it says this: but he, that shall, "But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost has never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation." This word "damnation" here is the same Greek word prises, okay. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost has never forgiveness. Okay but is in danger of eternal damnation. Now, you have two verses here, okay? One says, if you're a believer, no damnation, no creases, okay? No judgment is awaiting you. One that says, that if you blaspheme, which blaspheme blaspheme means to speak against the Holy Ghost, um, you're in danger of judgment, okay? One says, never shall not come into judgment, okay? Is the Bible true? Is God a liar? Okay, then for someone here, see Paul never mentions this unpardonable sin. Paul never mentions this blasphemy. Paul never mentions it. It's not in his writings. And so, in the context you find that it's denying Jesus in physical form. You see his good works in person. You have the privilege of it, and you deny him in person. You, don't, you, you choose not to believe he's the Messiah in person, okay? See, here's the thing. This is important to our conversation because we're talking about repentance, right? Okay? In the context of repentance and the new covenant, you'll see that repentance in Acts chapter 2 verse 38 it says repent be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins Okay, and you shall be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit in response to what? then these people not believing in Jesus right you have Peter who very seemingly does this sin where he denies Jesus three times denies knowing him Okay. So we know this is some kind of special sin. Peter became a pastor. Okay. Peter became a pastor. So, somewhere along the line, it's a denial in person that he's the Messiah. Okay. That he is the savior of the world. We know Peter didn't deny him as the savior of the world. He denied knowing him to save his own skin. Right? We know that Judas said he betrayed innocent blood. Judas confessed that his blood was innocent, right? So we, we want to figure this stuff out because how do you, how do you, how do you fix this? Because it's contrary, for meets the eye, right, for meets the eye. So it's, it, it's literally discussing, okay, in, about denying him and his works in person. In, 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 physically in? In, no, physically in person, denying him as Messiah. It can't be. It can't be this. Um, there's no other form of it in the Scripture. So, it's, when we talk about falling from grace, it's a whole different concept. Right. Okay. So this blasphemy concept. What? It's written in Mark, right? Under the context of what? What testament? New or old? Old. Old. Okay. Before or after Jesus was crucified? Before. Before. It's never mentioned after. So we find it isolated. Very much. To him being in person. And this is this is gonna be something that you might want to study a little further yourself and read some of the context in the story, but you're gonna find that it's a true denial of his you see his works. Right? You've seen that he operates as a messiah, but you deny him as messiah to his face. Because what's what's the context then? They saw his works and did what? And said they were from the devil. He said his works for of the devil. And he says, But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost has never forgiveness. So if you deny Jesus, okay, like this, in this form, you have no opportunity for redemption because he's the only redemption for humanity. So if you, in your mind, completely see what he does and say, Still, there's no way he's Messiah that's the true blasphemy of Jesus it's the true blasphemy we have to see this why because this is one of the main New Testament things because it's written in the Gospels right that we're going to battle when dealing with people who are going to come in and say well I left church because I thought I committed the impartable sin have you ever thought you committed it in yourself so the true lesson is not believing in Jesus' ministry, including the gospel. Him as Messiah. As uh, salvation. So not believing in the gospel. Yeah. As, yep. It's Im- it's important it's important though that we, we understand. Take it away from the church for a minute. Because you're applying it to the church, right? Don't apply it to the church. Do the scripture justice. And don't apply it to the church. church is not around you. Right. So we're not going to take blasphemy and add it to the church. You get what I'm saying? We're going to leave blasphemy under so, under what? gospel of the kingdom. Yes. So, blasphemy is that respect denying you have Yes, that you have the that he is here to be king and you're denying him as king in person. You see his works, they show you he's king, you deny him as king. Why does it happen? Okay, here's a here's a secret to to the to, to Bible timeline. It's happening in Mark what three early in the book. This isn't like the tail end of the book. This is early in the book. So you see it as something, just in the timeline of things, truly happening when he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom right? So if you keep blasphemy in there, we've really done a misjustice. And I'm saying we as a, as a, as a universal body of explaining blasphemy. And taking it and saying a believer can commit blasphemy because it says here But it is in danger of eternal damnation when the Bible says when you are a believer you are not in danger of eternal damnation We haven't gotten to the book of John and the book of Luke yet on why these books these books primarily are written To the book of Luke is written to Gentiles about Jews The book of John Is the is the is the most latter book? So it's written way 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 way. It's like a it's like all these things have happened. The temple's destroyed and everything, right? And then the book's written. So the book of John is the only book that says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish." Because it's very cross mingled. The book of John between believer, okay. You know, not, not believer. Between Jew, Jew and Gentile believer. It really intermingles the book. We haven't gotten into studying that yet. But the primary books that are, that are directed at Jews, which are Mark and what else? Matthew. That's where you have the Beatitudes, right? The, 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 the government of the kingdom of heaven. So these are important. These are important. And I want you guys to leave here with knowing more about it. God and Jesus and the revelation of the gospel. It's important. So So what is repentance? Okay. Is it this aggressive um, repent of, of, of a commandment of God? Right? I've heard it preached as a commandment of God. You know, I, I, I remember hearing these preachings that said, repent. Unless you repent, you're going to hell okay and let's just put it in plain plain idea is, is that is that like maybe maybe said it's said a little harshly but is that true it's okay to say yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so Let's define repentance. Okay. Matthew 3.8. It says, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. Again, another verse written in the context of the gospel. Of the kingdom. Right? So, gospel of the kingdom, let's define it. Jesus is coming to establish a physical kingdom on earth. He's preaching that, hey, I'm here to establish a kingdom on earth. And then the what? The people denied. So he gave them a chance. Gave them a chance to be a part of his kingdom. Okay. Now, the Greek word for repentance is the same through the scripture except for one. Okay. One example. Judas. Okay. The Greek word for repent is the Greek word metanoia which means an alteration of the mind, a changing of mind. Most theologians agree. Meta meaning like a, like a transformation, a change of mind. Oh yeah, okay? So Matthew, is in this context, Matthew's writing to the Jews, he's speaking and telling the story of John the Baptist, and this man is telling them to repent from their sins because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay. He's saying change your mind, Change your mind. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. What was, what, was the, what was the the fruit? Be baptized in John's baptism. Okay. But you're gonna see we're gonna see something very unique here, because I I have a feeling we've never understood this in our Bible studies, and I think this is gonna be really insightful. Okay. So he says, bring forth fruit that shows you have changed your mind and come be baptized of me. Remember, this isn't for a New Testament salvation, but for the kingdom of heaven, which is a physical kingdom on earth. So I want to talk to you about the false teachings first about repentance that we have heard, especially those using Old Testament stories. Under the law, you had to repent to get right with God, right? And there are many stories about it. We're going to go a little bit later into the story of Jonah, just a, a tad bit. There's people that are turning away from their sin, right? Turning from their sin and making their way back to what? The obedience of the law. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament repentance is turn away from what? From your sin, right? And turn back to what? There's no Messiah Yeah, in those stories, right? It's to the law. It's come back. Obey the law. Get in line for your atonement. Stop doing the sins that you've been doing. Right? Put away your idols. And repent. And repent. And then come be obedient to the law. So that you can receive the blessings of obedience to the law. Now. So. But now here, there's a new law. In the New Covenant, there's a new law. So you have the repentance in the Old Testament is turning from your sin, turning to the obedience of the law, right? But we've taught this as New Testament. We've taught it, we've heard it taught to us as New Testament. But in the New Testament, here's the new law. It's repentance to the obedience of faith. Okay? Here's the the trick to understanding this. Don't, try not to complicate it in your head because it sounds complicated, right, at first. You're you're changing your mind. It's a pretense of self-righteousness. I'm turning from the pretense that I can achieve righteousness through the law on my own, that I can make things right on my own, and I'm turning to the obedience of faith. That means I'm obeying God by having faith That I'm only made righteous by what he did on the cross. So it's dissolving yourself of the pretense that I can be righteous on my own. This is New Testament repentance. It's the same repentance that you need to have for every sin. I don't repent about my sins. What does the Bible say? to repent from your sins. No, you repent from one sin. What's the sin? Self-righteousness. The pretense that I can be righteous on my own. And we'll, I'll prove it, we'll prove it. I promise you we'll prove it. Just, we'll, we'll follow the lining. It's a pretense in any situation. If I'm a believer in a living in sin, there's a pretense that I can be righteous on my own that creates me to be stuck in that addiction. Does that make sense? You're on the same page, okay. So there's the law of the old covenant, which is what is an obedience to the law is repent, turn from your sin to then the obedience of the law, right? The repentance of the New Testament is turned from thinking that your obedience to the law can make you righteous to believing that you can only be made righteous by faith. It's an obedience to faith. So we need proof though, right? So in the Young's Little Translation, it, it writes it like this. And, it, and I use the word obedience to faith because they're scriptural. They're, it's verbiage in the Bible. And it says, and now having been made manifest, referring to Jesus and him coming to life, also through the prophetic writing <coughs> and according to the command of the age during God, having been made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. This is written in the book of Romans, okay? It's been made manifest. The salvation has been made manifest through the prophetic writings, according to the command of the age during God, having been made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. People should know us not by our obedience to the law. How? By our obedience to faith. That's what, I, that's what I said in the beginning, right? When you're in sin, have faith that you're made righteous by God. Turn to the obedience of faith. When you're sick, turn to the obedience of faith. Right? Remember when we did that one sermon where it's this, you know, um, from the tree to the ground, where our starting position is having, being made complete in Christ, but we're taught to make yourself complete in Christ, we're taught to seek out wholeness not to believe we already have it but the scripture obedience of faith is to believe you already have it and to live it out so like if you're struggling with an addiction is that you have to by faith believe you already have the overcoming ability that God is you know, through the nature of Jesus to overcome that you get you've been given that so your job, when you're struggling, when you're, when you're in bondage, or when someone you know is in bondage, is to get them from a place of pretense that I can get out on my own, or that there's a process, there's a three-step phase. No, obedience to faith. Have faith that your righteousness is only in Christ, not in your own ability to achieve goodness and overcome, in your discipline, in your self-will, in your self-mastery get away from that pretense that it's from yourself it's a preconceived idea in our head that's why I say pretense it's a preconceived idea in our head that we can be righteous on our own that we have to abandon so so here's a here's a verse that talks about the obedience to faith and that we should be known by this we should be known by the obedience to faith and we tend not to be we tend to be known because we preach obedience to the law right i'm just saying as a movement even though we're not of that we still get lumped in mm-hmm. right you know like when when someone from another denomination does something horrible and outlandish we still get lumped in when we confront people who are not believers and who 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 are you know definitely against the cause so here's here's um here's this in practice right is you're sick okay If you're sick, have faith he's a healer, that he's already healed. You're in sin, have faith that he's already your righteousness. You're broken, have faith you've already been made whole. Our pretense shouldn't be that we are righteous by our behavior. Our pretense should be that we are righteous by faith in all things. In all things. So... The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay? This is why it's impossible to please God by our works, because only faith pleases God. The Bible says the law makes void faith. So if we are believers, and we're living legalistic and by works, and we have the pretense that we can be righteous on our own, we void faith in our life. We void faith, which leaves us without access to God, because if I'm under law, then I'm subject to the condemnation of the law, which means I don't get what I need in spite of myself. So, when we teach people repentance, they're usually saying, beat yourself up for your sins, right? Feel bad about it. They really want you to feel like you've done wrong, right? People want to make sure that you know, like, it's deep down in your conscience that you really did bad this time. They want to stick it to you as a way to make you start doing right, right? it 's a way for us to like impose on someone a weight of, of guilt and shame so that they 'll never do it again. Right? You should feel so bad you 'll never do it again. But why is it? Why is it that most people like there 's this statistics of people who come out of prison end up back, going back. Right? Why is that? Because they like, This is the only thing I know. I know that if I get punished, I at least know that there's a place for me to go. Yeah. And are their crimes usually the same? Yeah. Because now they've, now they've have a pretense that they are what people have said they were because enough people have stuck it to them right and gave them that identity. oh you're a thief so when you get out once a thief always a thief you know always looking for the short come up the easy way you know what I mean like there's it's, it's one thing or another but so we teach people to beat themselves up we teach them to be sin conscious to be sin conscious, okay? And we'll deal with that with like an example, but um, Hebrews 10 is very clear. It says that we've been cleansed in perfect tense, meaning it's done, it's a done act, we've been cleansed, right? That we should have no more consciousness of sin. So God has given us the ability to have a clean conscience that in spite of being a sinner, in spite of the many proofs every day that I'm a sinner, right, every day there's gonna be a proof in your life that you're a sinner. But are you going go to go back to the obedience to the law? Right? And I'll, and I'll tell you where that leads you. That leads you to self-condemnation. Once you fell, you beat yourself up. How can I justify this now? How can I get right with God? What can I do to get even with God where, where I make up for it? Right? And it's that consciousness that really brings us into that bondage. So bringing us out Okay? Knowing that it's in, that we've been cleansed in perfect sense that once we have faith in Christ, we've been cleansed for all time, for all sin, once and for all. Here's, I, I think I've given this example to you guys before, but I think it'll help right now. Is, is Let's just say, Shay, I, I owe her you know, $15,000, and I owe her the, this great amount of money, but then David decides to pay my debt. Okay? now focus on me for a minute if i don't know that david paid will i still act like i'm in debt to shay right i still that's what you call sin consciousness okay as long as i believe even though my debt's been paid in jesus christ right the world's debt's been paid in jesus christ everyone is living in debt consciousness Right, So I'd rather not believe in God In some cases That's where people go I'd rather not believe in God Because what? Because to believe in God means I owe him a debt Right? So there's one way to get rid of the debt Totally abolish it The people involved, all parties involved Right? But when you think about this part Okay? If David tells me He paid my debt to Shay. Right? What happens? But I don't believe it. Will I still be conscious that I overadapt? Yeah. It's not until David tells me it and that I believe it. It's a demonstration of his goodness toward me. Right? It's a demonstration of his goodness toward me. Now, I receive it, but when I now, when I talk to Shade, now I believe it. Will I live like I'm in debt to her? No. Most likely, I'll be grateful. There's a high chance that I'm going to be really grateful, right? And now my communion, my connection, is uninterrupted by my consciousness of my debt. If I thought I owed her a debt, I would avoid her. If I couldn't pay. Because we all can't pay, right? We all can't pay this debt we owe to God. So every time that we have a need, every time that we have a struggle, every time, okay? Your ability to understand this determines the level of freedom you have in your heart and mind about your life. Okay? Because as much as you understand, my debt's been paid so now instead of focusing on fixing the relationship, I can live my life to the fullest. Unimpeded, uninterrupted. Most of the world right now is living with a sense of shame about who they are, what they are, because we're all full of mistakes and we all struggle, right? So we have to get to the point where we understand that our debt is paid. Now, the 16th century understanding of repentance means to be sorry again. Okay, and this, 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 re, re again, penance. okay, means to be sorry or sorrowful. Now, you're gonna find that the Bible says that godly sorrow works repentance, right? Now, let me help you here. Why would it say godly sorrow works repentance? It separates godly sorrow from repentance, do you get what I'm saying, repentance isn't godly sorrow, but some godly sorrow can work repentance, can work a changed mind, for example, Jesus looks at Peter after he denies him, he looks at him, and then Peter cries, right, and then Peter becomes pastor, godly sorrow works repentance but here's this here's a sorry of the world there's a sorrow of the world that the bible warns us about it tells us to be careful from having the sorrow of the world here's the sorrow of the world Judas okay, betrays Jesus for silver he sees what they're doing to him he tries to return the money he said I betrayed innocent blood here's your money back falls on the ground And they say, no, keep your money, go. What does he do? He goes and he hangs himself, right? He goes and he hangs himself. This is the sorrow of the world. This is the sorrow from our sin that's possible, from our failures that's possible for all of us, that we have to be weary of. Because if you just wait, Jude, I mean Judas, if you just wait just a little longer, I'll die for you. If you just wait just a little while longer, I'll die for you. I'll pay for what you just did. But he doesn't. He decides he's going to go pay on his own. And this is where you have most people, even in church. This is why they work so hard. This is why you have a lot of people that work so hard in the church and get so tired because they have things and shame in their life and they're tired because they're working for something. There's a difference between people who work hard for the kingdom who are not tired. Who have like a rejuvenation about them and they're doing so much and and to them it's little. There's a difference. One leads to... Tiredness and, and, and feeling wasted and feeling empty. You go serve on the church on Sunday and you feel empty. There was for, there was like a two year period in my life where I was probably at the height of my religious mentalities. Every Sunday I would come home and I would feel empty, tired, more broken after church than when I started, more alone more vulnerable to sin, more vulnerable to anything in those moments than any other time in my life. Because I felt like my relationship with God was that I owed him a debt and I'm gonna spend my life trying to pay it. Instead of that my debt's paid and there's this free world out here that belongs to God to go out and conquer for, for his name. And I've trapped myself in, in, in this little box in my head where I'm gonna try to make things right with God by punishing myself. I don't deserve to do anything for God. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve anything. And then we, we it's, a, it's not the graceful kind of undeserving. It's the, it's the sorrow of the world that it leads to depression, it leads to self-occupation, that it leads to suicide, the same way that Judas had. So obviously that's not Godly be sorrow because it didn't work repentance. The Bible says that Judas repented, but in the King James, okay, it uses the word repentance and the New King James, it uses the word remorse in English because when you translate the word repentance in that context, it's not the word metanoia. It's the word for remorse. Judas didn't have repentance. He had remorse. He had the sorrow of the world. It led him to straight to hell. Notice here, his road to hell isn't because of his sin in the sense that it he failed God and was disqualified from heaven. It was that he disqualified himself. That he wanted to pay himself. That he, in his conscience, he couldn't keep living without trying to balance the scale. And that's often where we feel like we have to be with God. It's more humbling to do this. To say, even though I want to pay, I can't. Even though I know I should pay, I can't. It's more humbling. It's, it's harder to receive that because it gives a pretense to self. I have to give up what I think would make me right with God. And trust that when he died, it was enough. So, um, Romans 2 4 says this um, Or the riches of his goodness, forbearance, long suffering, doest thou despise? Do you despise the riches of his goodness? Do you know that God is rich in goodness? forbearance, long-suffering, he waits long, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Okay, and this is, it's, it's written like the Holy Spirit leads you. It's the Holy Spirit that leads you to repentance. So it doesn't say that repentance leads you to his goodness. Okay, no, no, no notice this. It doesn't say that repentance leads you to his goodness. See, that's how we've understood it, right, in the history of the church is that repent, then you can receive. That's not what it says. It says knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance, leads you to a changed mind. So this is why I tell people you can't even change your mind, you can't even change your life, even if you wanted to. You first have to see his goodness. You first have to see that his ways are better. What he has to offer is better. Some things are common sense, like right, wood and gold. Which one would you pick? Right? Gold supplies you more, right? Will do more for you with the quality of your life than wood, right? But most of us would rather stick with our wood because we've sinned and we feel like we deserve wood. There's a few people who are greedy who will take the gold either way. <laughs> but. So the, these, things, these things become super important. So um, It's not repentance that leads you to goodness. It's His goodness that leads you to repentance. And so some people even fear they haven't repented enough. Some people um, feel like they need to repent with crying at the altar and screaming, Wow, God, you know, like, fix me. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, with, uh, yeah. Uh, like, maybe like crying to to just stop yeah. Maybe if I increase the tone of my voice, right? Maybe if I'm, I show God that I, I, I really. Um, you know maybe if like i quit my job and become poor and then like everything will be made right with god <laughs> you know like there's people that have that mentality um so what what is repentance right what is what is this repentance and we're gonna go over real quick the repentance of the law because we need to separate it from repentance the new covenant um, John, Mark 1, 4 and 5 and it says this, uh, John did baptize in the wilderness, referring to John the Baptist and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins okay and there went out unto him all of the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem all were baptized of him in the river of the Jordan confessing their sins Okay, notice this this is the law there's no, there's no church yet, okay? there's no Catholic church yet either Where they do confession of sins okay note note this note this right note this this is important um if you didn't know first john is written to um gnostic jews like atheist jews now think about atheist jews now equivalent almost equivalent gnostic jews first john is because remember john is sent to who jews or, or gentiles Jews, okay. So when he writes, he's writing primarily Jewish Jewish audience. So here, we're reading in Mark real quick. They knew of the doctrine of confessional sins, and they knew of the doctrine of baptisms. They had understanding, okay. So he's telling them his message is different from the kingdom of heaven, okay. John's message. So you have John's message, Jesus' message, and then you have Paul's message. All telling you to repent from different things. Jesus says repent, kingdom of heaven is at hand. John says repentance for remission of sins. So and they were all baptized of him and were confessing their sins. So they had an understanding of what he was saying, what he was doing. Okay. but it's, it's the level before he's setting the, the road to help them deal with their sin consciousness their, their sin before Jesus helps them deal with their belief in the Messiah he's trying to prep the remember John's here to prep the road so he's trying to get these people right it's concerning their sin so that when Jesus preaches the kingdom of heaven right, they don't disqualify themselves okay there's, there's a beauty in this path, it happens. So they understood confession under the law. They understood confession. He's telling them to stop denying their sinners. So again, what is repentance? What is repentance? In here, I'm gonna prove to you something. This is one of those like light bulbs. This was a light bulb for me. Let's prove John was under the law real quick, okay? Luke 16, 16 says, The law and the prophets were until John. (laughs) This is so... I laughed because, because it tells us John the Baptist was the last prophet of the law. Did you know that? But that's what the scripture says. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached. So I'm not just making this stuff up. It's there. And it says, and every man pressed into it. That's why the multitude gathered and pressed into Jesus, right? People have preached it like this. Oh, you know, Jesus, like, he kind of tricked the Jews because they thought he was establishing a physical kingdom and then he established a spiritual one, right? Have you ever heard that? No, no, no. He was trying to establish a physical kingdom, okay? Because they denied him, he established a spiritual one. That's how it really worked. Just know that, okay, and that's important what to know. The plan of the whole time, that? <laughs> yes, that's something. That's you have to be glad that we preach the Bible, okay. You have yeah, to. Yeah, two days or or whatever, whatever it takes, <laughs> whatever it takes to get there. <laughs> <laughs> so if this is two this is why, to the extent that we understand the gospel, okay, that's the extent of our freedom. Because if we don't if we don't separate these messages into their proper context, we apply them. So why did why does almost every single creature apply yeah. as a unilateral message? Yeah. Like I've been I've been yeah. listening like uh on yeah. Tuesday men's group. Yeah. because uh, one of the guys had to go so they invited everybody over, so I was like, Sweet, you know free pizza. Yeah. And he was Preaching on repentance. Yeah. you have, uh, you have a 16 or 20-year-old Christian trying to explain repentance to a 10-month-old Christian. And a 10-month-old Christian is like, his head is in prayer. Yeah. And the 16-year-old Christian is like, well, so you do this, you gotta do this. You've got to be obedient. You've got to be obedient. And then when not, it's like, uh, it, it's exactly what you asked me to do. Role played with him because he knew yeah. he was going to push. role played with him. said, Do you believe in Jesus Christ?